Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we will be recapping Season 4, Episode 12 of The Sopranos, titled Eloise. This episode aired December 1st, 2002. It was written by Terrence Winter and it was directed by James Heyman. Here is the HBO synopsis for this episode. Tony continues to haggle with Johnny Sack and the two Carmines over the Esplanade profits. Carmela makes a decorating date she can't keep. Furio proves a reluctant companion to Tony on a casino junket. Polly plays an impatient chaperone to some ladies from the nursing home. And Meadow debates the true meaning of a literary classic with her mom. We are at the penultimate of season four, and it is uh, an intense one. I'd it say. is. It has some tension. Yeah, it's a somewhat untraditional mm. penultimate episode. Yeah, that's Usually true. Usually we get in a penultimate the death of a major character, a someone very established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Something that like really kind of just gives us a solid out for the finale to kind of answer some big questions like right. what's going to happen? Oh, my God. And they play this one a little bit more, a little bit more subtle. But yeah, as you said, it's still a very tense episode. It is. We open on Junior's trial and the trial is now on. We learned that right. from last episode. And we get a focusing on the jurors, specifically one juror, wedding ring, wedding band on, Bobby intensely looking at that specific guy. Yeah, this guy has been selected, it would seem, to be the juror that they have to lean on. Yeah. And that's what they have to do now because uh, Junior lost his mental competency hearing Right, that that ploy didn't work out for him. No, it didn't. Yeah, and I I remember bringing this up that like they were kind of emphasizing the jury beforehand. Yeah, and this guy was in the jury like early on in early episodes, so they've actually kept that continuity pretty mm-hmm. well. And this guy was there from the beginning of the trial, and I think I mean I obviously knew that they were going to be leaning on a juror, mm-hmm. having watched the show before. But it is interesting to see that continuity play out, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They established it earlier. And what I also liked here was that we got a little glimpse of that nurse. That's right. Undercover nurse. There. Yeah. So that confirms that she was, in fact, fed. And Mm -hmm. Junior uh, gives her a nice little look. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Which I appreciated. Yeah. And so from there, we uh, get the Sopranos in the morning. And AJ comes down the stairs, seems... Not of consequence at mm-hmm. this moment, but he's reading a paper he's working on of the novel Billy Budd. Right. Yeah. I never read Billy Budd. I haven't either. Yeah. AJ seems to have like a lot of book assignments every does. year. Yeah. Doesn't he? More and, than I think we ever had. I don't know. And I feel like he hasn't made it through a single one. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although we do learn he does actually for AJ pretty well. Right. On this one later yeah. on. And... So Carmela's in the kitchen. AJ comes down to read that. Furio reluctantly comes into the house. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the detail here, once Tony does come down, how Tony is actually the only one who partakes and enjoys Carmela's scones. Right. You know, Carmela made these scones, probably not for Tony directly. And he's the only one who's enjoying them and finding the love in them. True. And of her. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And Furio kind of pats his belly like, oh, I don't want the carbs. Right. But, you know, Tony's not going to be held back. No. Right. <laughs> I'll have a scone or two. Yeah. And we know AJ's awkwardly now uh, avoiding carbs as well. Right. He has a weight image yeah. issue. Okay. Oh, I mean. He Trying was, to get fit. He was a little tubby in the first season. Yeah. As a little boy. But I mean, Tony did fat shame him a little bit in the past too. That's right? true. Yeah. That's true. And uh, then we just get this very awkward love triangle in the middle of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very awkward. And Tony doesn't even know it's a love triangle, but the other two sort of do. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, particularly awkward just because Tony and Carmela get into this argument. Mm-hmm. Tony thinks he's made what is a very romantic gesture uh, to, you know, kind of book this trip for them. But it's at short notice, and Carmela's just not in the mood to kind of do that with all of the mom stuff that she has to do, right? Right. 
And so they sort of get into it. It's awkward for Furio, you know, kind of mm-hmm. caught in the middle. You can sort of assume that Carmela's like in her mind, you know, if Furio and I were together, we'd never fight like this. Right. <laughs> so there's that whole dynamic there. Furio ultimately excuses himself, right? He does. Yeah. And then Tony ultimately says a very funny thing here. When chalking up the haircut mm-hmm. that Carmela got to her feeling you know down and moody lately and that's probably why she got the haircut right you know husband not really paying close enough attention to things yeah not the most sensitive comment on tony's part but i think that there is some accuracy there a little bit because yeah it was for emotional reasons i mean she was Mm -hmm. definitely emotional i think that she's kind of annoyed that tony brought that up because it sort of kind of hits the nail on the head it does and then we pick up on furio driving tony next scene and Tony being very open to Furio about how he's feeling about Carmella, not mm-hmm. knowing that Furio is getting Furio about it <laughs> yes. with the, you know, the comments, the, the bitch comments about right. Carmella. You would think that Furio would have this moment of slamming on the brakes and telling Tony to get the fuck out of the car uh, yeah. at a certain point, but he's got to bite his tongue. Exactly. Yeah. Well, his moment will come perhaps. Right. So then we pick up on the golf course with mm-hmm. uh, the New York guys because it starts out just little Carmine and Johnny Sack. Right. And then they are joined by Carmine, Carmine. the Elder. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's just fun. Of course, little Carmine, hilarious. Uh, he mispronounces debacle, <laughs> debacle. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. You sort of don't even understand what he's saying sometimes. You have to kind of be like, oh, what was that word that he just massively mispronounced? Oh, okay, I get it. That's right. Hilarious. Or how many malapropisms yeah. can Terrence Winter like fit into a Carmine soliloquy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he has so many. So true. It is really, it's really good. So as you know, Dad, Tony Soprano came to visit me recently. I bought him dinner. We talked. I'm not sure I like that he did that end run. He's an old-fashioned guy, Pop, very allegorical. I don't think it was his intention to insult anybody. But it's an interesting scene. They're basically there to discuss the escalating hostilities with Tony in New Jersey and what is to be done. And we know that Carmine, little Carmine's there at the request of Tony to right. smooth things out with his dad. Exactly. And it looks like he's doing a pretty good job with that. Johnny is kind of angling for the more, um, he kind of wants to accommodate a bit more. So you sort of see that like Johnny Sachs got a little game of his own Mm -hmm. where he doesn't want Carmine to push the hard line. Right. Uh, But then Carmine, you know, sort of innocently says, hey, you know, I have admiration for Tony, you know, in a way I kind of wish that like he was my own son. He doesn't say it quite like that, but that's exactly how little Carmine interprets it. And then he sort of sabotages things, which is really interesting. Huge saboteur. Yeah. Yeah. Because he gets immediately jealous of that idea that his dad really never saw value in him, but could even see value in Tony Soprano. Right. Who's unrelated. And wrecks the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Tanks it. Yeah. He basically just makes up this quote from Tony that Tony never actually said, Mm -hmm. but the made up quote sort of suggests that Tony doesn't really have the proper respect for New York. And so then Carmine's like, well, we got to take the hard line. So. Yeah. At first, Tony is a very allegorical person. Right. (laughs) Now, not so much. Very allegorical. And he gives, uh, I love the the end here because we do get, we get a couple of these scenes ending with stairs Mm -hmm. and we get a very long, like death stare from Johnny Sack to little Carmine. Yeah. Who, yeah, knows what he just did. Yeah, exactly. Johnny's just like, what's this jackass doing up here? (laughs) You know, and he just kind of screwed up the entire thing. Yeah. Well, from there, we see Carmela apparently alone at Furio's place Mm -hmm. with Furio. I don't see AJ in the scene. Typically, we see AJ being dragged along, but there are, you know, workers there. Right. But let's be real. If there weren't workers, they probably would have had sex right there. Right. Yeah. In that room at that moment. At that moment, you know, and then... Replace the floor tiles afterwards. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, but the tension is right. there. It's We get it. They get it. Mm-hmm. They have a little love thing going on. Uh, yeah. And it's very forbidden, very tempting. Yeah. But they're always being interrupted. They can't make that next step. 
Yeah. Plus, I mean, I think it would take a lot for someone to have the nerve to make the first move because Mm -hmm. obviously whoever makes the first move is very responsible responsible for putting both of them in serious danger. Mm -hmm. I love the last moment, though, them setting up the date because I like how Edie Falco is, as Carmela, so giddy. Right. Like a girl who's like in high school going on her first date. Yeah. And even Furio is very excited, too. And it's just for tile shopping. Mm Mm-hmm. Shopping for colors for tiles. But yeah, I mean, it's finally gone to sort of the next level mm-hmm. in a way where they're sort of comfortable actually being alone together. So there's still a few steps you would sort of have to assume before they get to sex. But sure. this is an important bridge that has been crossed. We're getting there. Yeah. And then we get some old ladies crashing into their car. <laughs> crashing their car into another car. Yeah. Uh, at the Behind the wheel. That malignant right. cunt, Mini Matrone. Yes. Good old men. Yeah, men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anxious to get that handicap spot in front of the bingo. <laughs> it's house. just so funny, yeah, how Terrence Winter, he really kind of crafts the stakes for these senior citizen ladies. It's <laughs> like, we got to get that spot. But, yeah. you know, it's funny. I don't know. When I'm an old ass man, <laughs> I'll probably look at things the same way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be hunting down those blue <laughs> yeah. zones for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that sets up. Polly's mm-hmm. plot mm-hmm. in this this episode, but from there we move to this casino night. That yeah, the the synopsis kind of mentioned Furio uh, there at the casino with again Sill mm-hmm. is there. Patsy we know has been hanging out a lot in this this group this foursome. Cousin Brian's there mm-hmm. as well, and everybody's just having a good time. We got this. Mohawk, uh, Mohunk, Mo. Yeah, Marty. Marty. Yeah. So this is back. all a callback to Christopher. Christopher uh, this location and this character introduced in that episode. That's right. This episode a bit more serious than Christopher was, though, if I may say <laughs> so myself. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So Tony's pretty hopeful that the upcoming sit down that Johnny Sack says uh, is uh, on the table uh, will be successful. Mm-hmm. That Little Carmine has done a good job. All the other guys want to leave. Tony wants to stay behind with his Icelandic flight attendant. And Furia decides to stay behind as well. Yeah. I mean, he really has to. I guess he's, you know, Tony's bodyguard, right? So The role of yeah, the bodyguard. It's not really an option for him to leave. But this is just more ammunition for Furio. You know, he's becoming more and more convinced that he truly loves Carmela and Carmela truly loves him. And Tony, you know, first of all, you know, he's, he's not sort of... I mean, Tony... He's not a horrible husband, but he's not a great one either. Let me put it this way. He's not a super horrible husband to Carmela's face 85% of the time. Okay. But Furio is here to see Tony be the terrible husband, Mm. you know, 100% of the time in his other life when he's philandering and when he's calling Carmela a moody bitch. And all of this is just very irritating to Furio. Well, of course. I mean, Furio could get a woman that night himself if he wanted, but clearly he's not really in the mood because he actually has that person he's really in love with. He's a hopeless romantic, that Furio. He is. And then we pick up on the hospital. Right. The old ladies. Yes. Polly comes in. He comforts his mom. I just love how she kind of gets dramatic right away. And then Min calls her out for it. Like, oh, you were fine until he walked in. Right, right. And Polly Polly and Min, what a great relationship. (laughs) Polly lectures Min on her driving. Uh, I noticed her little life alert, you know, Mm -hmm. which will actually become significant later on. But she's wearing it in this scene as well. And... We get this offer from Polly that the next time the ladies want to go out, he'll drive them. Yeah, and I just love how chivalrous uh, Polly is towards his mother. I mean, his mom didn't even get a scratch on her, literally. Right, Cookie's getting stitches. Yeah. <laughs> She's the one who got banged up. Yeah, like, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but Polly, you know, as he points out, you know, this is his ma here, so right. he's got to kind of take charge and, and he'll be doing the driving, which is great. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we haven't seen Meadow for a while. We have not. Yeah, it's been a few episodes. But she returns in this episode, and she returns in a really big way. You know, I do wonder uh, if this has 
anything to do because Jamie Lynn Siegler did discover she had MS. Right. During her time on The Sopranos. Yeah. This might have been something, you know, related to that, her her absence, much like how Tony Sirico was out right. for some episodes. It's possible. It yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that she discovered that she um, had MS during mm-hmm. the making of the series. I, I can't recall exactly when it was, but it was, you know, a little when, bit later in the show. Or when, maybe it was right here. Yeah, when we knows? have her on the show, we'll, you when know, if, we have it, her if on it's the appropriate, show. we yeah. may ask. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Meadow has just, she's got like a nice kind of fresh start that she seems to be in the middle of, you know, totally like on the other side of things from where she was at the opening of the season where she was all destroyed and a super brat Mm -hmm. over losing Jackie. But now she's got a new apartment, which looks very spacious and nice. Several roommates. (laughs) Right. Uh, she's got a new guy, Finn, Finn, who we haven't actually met yet, but she's just talking about him and she's clearly very in love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is the thing that's very key here is that uh, Carmela, you know, is very kind of um, on the same level. Mm-hmm. She's very what? Sensitive, I would say. Yeah, too. she's very sensitive to where Meadow is at. Yeah. And has that very key line. Mm. Some men have to move at their own pace, Med. You know, she's obviously thinking about Furio. She's talking about herself, yeah. Yeah, and she's feeling good about her, you know, relationship with him. You know, I kind of just feel like the interesting thing with Carmela and Furio is that even if it never becomes physical, and I think in the back of her mind, she vaguely thinks it will eventually, Mm -hmm. but I think that Carmela is just content to be around him and to sort of just have him there. Yeah. You know? And it sort of seems like Furio is sort of content for the same arrangement too. You know, neither one of them is in a super huge rush to just go bang, you know? Yeah, that's true. Although we do get the next scene back right. at the casino. Right. And that would seem to, th- it, it would seem Furio is now met face to face with choice A or choice B. What right. his uncle said or, or, you know, leaving it all behind. Yeah. So at this point, Tony and Brian are sloshed. Yeah. They are wasted. And they are ready to go. And some new girl suggests to Marty, chop her out. Right. Let's take the helicopter. It's great how annoyed Marty is with the suggestion. Such a funny call. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good when he's on the phone. Right. And you just get that, I know. Yeah. I know. Some new girl told him about the chopper. <laughs> right. And then, like, whoever he's clearing it with, you know, basically the guy on the other end clearly asks how much money they got out of Tony and his group. And so it's about 15000 Yeah. So the guy's like, okay, they can take the chopper if, like, you know, we just took fifteen grand from them. I guess. Yeah. I like the running thread, which is developed even further mm. here as they get to the actual chopper right. on the tarmac. The thread of Brian just, he gets so wasted. He can't handle it. He cannot (laughs) handle his liquor. He automatically goes straight to just blackout. Right. Now he's sick, you know, puking all over the place, puking his guts out. Yeah. About to get on a chopper. Not such a great idea, I think. Now, did you in this next instance ask yourself, who stands this close to a helicopter to piss? Well, when you're that wasted... I could see it. Yeah. But if I'm the pilot, I'm going to go, what yeah. is that guy doing? Yeah. Get, what is he doing? Get yeah. him away from the propeller. No, exactly. He's way too close. You'd be yeah. pissing all over yourself. Right. The wind's got to be kicking up all over. That is a really good point. But Tony clearly doesn't care. I mean, I really love no. how this is all staged and set up, how mm-hmm. the writers basically contrive the perfect situation for you know, Furio to really neatly just get rid of Tony. Absolutely. It would be so perfectly neat. Uh, he could easily make it look like an accident. Uh huh. No one would even question that it was an accident. Right. And it's right there. No witnesses. All he needs to do really is kind of give Tony a, a little nudge, a little tap. Right. And he's going right into that propeller, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, Nazi style. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. And Furio clearly, you know, weighs this uh, opportunity mm-hmm. to the point where he actually does. He's fed up with Tony, right? I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like Furio is saying to himself here, like, you don't deserve Carmela. You're not really even that great of a guy. Mm. Like, 
we'd both be better off without you. Mm-hmm. And so that's when Furio does grab Tony pretty aggressively. Yeah. And just that kind of like blank look that goes over Furio's face as he shoves him towards the propeller. And then Tony's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then, you know, Furio relents because he can't really go through with it after all. No, it's like a trance that he was stuck right. in and then snaps out of it immediately. It's, um, we see it in his eyes in the next moment right. when he's back in the hell when he's in the helicopter and he realizes this is not yeah this is not going to work I, I have can't the opp- do this yeah yeah and I think you know it's not only I can't do this it's like I'll never be able to do this mm. I'll clearly never be able to do it I'm never going to be able to kill the boss wow yeah yeah it's a big scene yeah so we get a brief moment here in the morning mm-hmm. morning next uh to to a, a super hungover Tony. Yes. Coming down the stairs. And the note here is Carmela's been waiting. Tony is wondering. But Furio is late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 40 He's minutes. Very unusual. Not arrived. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty suspicious. Tony goes back upstairs and right. Carmela could care less of how <laughs> sick he is. Right. Immediately calls up Furio and gets voicemail. Right. Mm hmm. And then Meadow calls. Right. She, well, this is how it happens. You know, the phone rings after Carmela hangs up, calling Furio. She jumps to the phone, right. excited that it's Furio calling. It's Meadow. Carmela's let down. And then I love the detail that Meadow is like, you seem disappointed. Like she knows that right. like, Carmela is like super let down. Yeah. 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 And then in the in the next scene, Carmela is at Furio's house with what seems to be a, a large amount of grocery ingredients mm-hmm. to to make a meal mm-hmm. to have more than a tile coloring <laughs> date yeah this is this is something more and and she realizes in this instance that she she can't do it either right she can't pull herself to take that final step they both can't take yeah. that step oh that's interesting yeah i mean i guess that that's true I mean, I sort of thought of it as just she was looking for his car and didn't see it or something. Oh, I, but, I don't know. I saw it in her face yeah. that it was more of like she was resigned in the fact that at this moment she can't just barge mm-hmm. in on him. Right, yeah. If he hasn't shown up, if she's called him and he hasn't answered, it would be inappropriate. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's interesting, though. It's just kind of like how she goes to kind of panic mode right away. Mm. You know, she... Right. Right. At, like Furio's house, like she sort of knows that something's up. Yeah. 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 And then we return to our New York versus New Jersey plot line. Mm-hmm. Tony and Syl uh, arrive for sit down with Carmine, who has not arrived yet, but Johnny Sack is there. Yeah. And they're at this uh, restaurant that uh, Carmine is about to open, I guess. This nice yeah. painting that used to belong to the guy that LaGuardia Airport is named after, I'm assuming. Yeah, the mayor. Yeah. Mayor LaGuardia. Oh, Mayor LaGuardia. That's yeah. what they say. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it doesn't get very far, though. No. Because, you know, Johnny delivers the bad news that Carmine is uh, standing pretty firm. Oh, it's 40% of HUD from now on. Right. And I love how um, Curatola plays this. Like, he knows that this is all bullshit. He knows that Tony's going to be really upset. Right. And he's going to storm out. He knows that the offer is a bad one. Right. And that the problems have not been solved. But he, he does have to play up mm-hmm. his underboss role. Yeah. And relay the message. Right. That's right. tradition. That's that's how it works. But yeah, Tony just very disappointed and just says, let's go. You know, and he and Syl walk out. And then in a truly huge, shocking moment, not yeah. only for Carmela, but I think as a viewer of the show, we discover just through some woman, random mm-hmm. character at church, mm-hmm. lets Carmela know that Furio's put his house up for sale. That was quick. Yeah. Yeah. And she heads on over, and sure enough, it is empty. Wow. Furio yeah. is gone. Yeah. Like that. Ninja style. Vanished. Yeah. Crazy. It's uh, pretty intense. And, uh, you know, we can only assume that Carmella is about to become destroyed. Do you think if Furio pushed Tony into the propeller and all that mm-hmm. and, and how it play, you know plays out after that, you know, mm-hmm. the, all the chaos and all the sorrow and all the... 
that in the end Furio and Carmelo would be together? Yeah, see, that's a good point. I mean, uh, do you think in that moment Furio was like, how would she ever want to be with me? Right, exactly. And how would that look to anyone that knows us? Right. Which is, you know, the biggest thing. What, they could gonna... run off to Italy or something? Yeah, they could run off to Italy. Or, yeah, you know, Furio could move into their house. <laughs> <laughs> Become right. stepdad to AJ. Oh, my God. Uh, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, but I think that that's a big part of Furio's calculation already. Number one being, I just can't kill the boss. Number two, so I can take his wife. Uh, Number two, even if I did, well, then what? Right. That doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. There is no happily ever after here. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the previous uh, scene, when Carmela was on the phone with Meadow, Meadow invited her parents, so her whole family, AJ too, over, um, to the new apartment for dinner. Right. And so we pick up in this scene with Tony, Carmela, and AJ arriving for that dinner, and Tony just drops in a very casual, irritated way. Who was that? Silvio. Listen to this. Furio called a stupid fucking zip moved back to Italy. Asshole left a message on the answer machine at the Bing at 4.30 in the morning. For, for us, I mean, for this moment, this is so interesting to watch right Mm -hmm. because for tony it's one thing Mm -hmm. for carmella it's a hugely different thing and she is wrecked and you can see how it's just hit her and affected her not only has he moved out he's back in italy it is over like there is no coming back he's not coming back yeah that decision has been made and it's very abrupt and anticlimactic you know be one thing if they had been able to consummate the affair and then he ran away right. but you know he's really just left Carmela hanging I mean clearly his his feeling was he was so in love with her mm-hmm. that he literally could not bear to be in town one second longer if he couldn't be with her knowing again yep. that he'd have to kill Tony to do it yeah, which he, he was never going to do so. he left her with uh, spank bank Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Back to that. Back to the Carmela Spank Bank. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the first sign here that something is truly wrong with Carmela, mm-hmm. uh, that she's not going to be good from this moment on. Uh, you know, it's just a subtle thing of making the comment about the door being open. Right. You know, you're in New York City, Meadow. Your door is wide open. Yeah. And then we get Finn, the introduction of Finn, her boyfriend, who says, well, don't worry. I'll protect her. Right. And of course, for Carmela, she has no feelings like that right now. Yeah. No one's there to protect her. The guy right. who's going to protect her is gone. He's in Italy. I mean, her heart is completely broken. And I think that what makes it so much worse is that, you know, she's just gotten that gut punch, that sort of like devastating kind of I'm destroyed feeling, you yeah. know, which Edie Falco portrays so well. And she can't talk to anyone about it. Mm-hmm. And she can't openly grieve about it in any way. So she just channels all of that rage and frustration and heartbreak into being irritated. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of being irritating mm-hmm. or irritated, these fucking dentist jokes from Tony. Oh, these dad jokes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. He is pulling out all the stops. Yeah, these are some serious dad jokes. Yeah. And then uh, and then Tony, very old-fashioned, you know, he's miffed and confused right. by the fact that a male is one of Meadow's roommates, but, he, you know, and as far as he's concerned, that's, like, completely inappropriate. Yeah. Unless Meadow's in a relationship. Right. And even then, it would still be inappropriate unless they were, like, married, probably. You know, you have to assume. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of... We could sort of see that from both Tony and Carmela's perspective, for different reasons, they're about to sort of launch into a bit of a culture war <laughs> yeah. with, these, uh, with these college kids. We see from this setup of the dinner scene, Carmela um, really almost envious of Meadow and Finn. Well, yeah. In this moment. I mean, that ultimately kind of winds up what being what this entire episode is about. Right. And it really starts here, for sure. Uh, what does not start, though, is a very happy opening to <laughs> Carmine's nice Italian restaurant with Mayor LaGuardia's painting. Right. Yeah. The giant dick being spray painted right. around the boat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah little Polly's there, a couple of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Just destroying the place. Right. Retaliation. Yeah. Really, for being stuck at 40 and the appraiser 
Vic, the appraiser. Yeah. Yeah, being roughed so, up. So Tony has to do something. Yeah. But it's very calculated because he's not hurting any of Carmine's guys. Right. Uh, it's just an extensive vandalization of the restaurant. That's right. And then we pick up back at the dinner, mm-hmm. which is now sitting around the table. And I really love Terrence Winter is very good at the chit-chat humor, yeah. right? And the chit-chat conversation. It's written really well. Like, you know, when Finn says like, oh, well, you know, that big princess title wouldn't fit on a driver's license. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, <laughs> right, yeah. You know, it's like that subtle little conversation that's going around. You know, you could screw up writing like that where it sounds really bad. Right. But you could tell it's like, this is the kind of chit chat and talk that would be around a dinner table for roommates and a parent and like parents of one yeah. of the roommates, you know? Yeah, exactly. When you're, you know, a guy too, and you're like a younger guy and you're meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time, right? you know, you're really trying to sort of present yourself a certain way mm-hmm. and the parents are too. And you're right. It's all just sort of realized very, very well, like very perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but I like to just kind of, again, that sort of like we get this culture war sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carmela taking this inexplicably strong stand on Billy Bud. It's not about gay themes. It's not a gay book. Right. Yeah. We get the Billy Bud uh, gay argument of 20. 2002 for right. the Soprano family because everybody is actually shockingly impressed with AJC. Yeah. You know, with the C that AJ got on the paper and Carmela is ashamed right. of that score. And what I love here is that we're getting, you know, we're, we, things are, are being set up in a way where small things are irritating Carmela mm-hmm. and they're standing out in a big way. And Tony notices them, and he's always trying to change the subject. He's actually being a very, you know, great guest. He's a yeah. great guest. He's being fun. He's being funny. He's really trying to change the subject on a lot of things, but he quickly is noting how off Carmela is. Yeah. And, yes, this Billy Budd thing is really what gets the fire growing. We get a lot of really great exchanges, you know, around Billy Budd, but, you know, I think that everyone around the table – uh, sort of understands that there's like this sort of weird thing. Like, why is Carmela being so intense about this? And even Meadow, mm-hmm. you know, she's never going to back down when she thinks that she has the moral or the intellectual high ground. Uh, she's going to go in for attack mode. She's not just going to let it go. I mean, I think you or I, if like our like moms had a literary opinion we didn't agree with, we'd just sort of be like, okay, and then move on. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, of course, like Meadow's not going to accept that. And so of course they not. really get into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we expect that at at Meadows' age. Yeah, what I don't remember, and it's this is how long it's been that we've had Meadow in a in a scene. But has she always referred to Carmela as mother? Yeah, see, I don't know. I mean, I felt like that was maybe like kind of a sarcastic mother, maybe. But she says yeah. it multiple times throughout this, where yeah, it doesn't it it doesn't seem like it should come across as sarcasm. Right. But especially here, like if she's trying to use it to antagonize Carmela, well, it's working. At least it's working for me. I'd be like, don't be patronizing to me. Right. Don't call me mother. Like you've never called me mother before. And you're using that like you're a hoity-toity, like college Ivy League student now that you just call me mother all of a sudden. It sets Carmela off. She shouts back at Meadow. Leslie Fiedler has written extensively on gay themes in literature since the early 60s. Billy Budd in particular. Well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's a he mother, and he's lectured at Columbia, as a matter of fact. Well, maybe he's gay. You ever thought of that? I love this moment because everybody's kind of stunned, and we get a shot of AJ and the two roommates, and the two roommates are kind of like, all right, let's just focus on the food. AJ has the most confused look on his face. And I say to Robert Eiler, good job on you. Yeah. Because that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Really well calibrated expression. Right. (laughs) Well, maybe he's gay. He's like, where are we in the conversation right now? That's the look he's giving. And I I love that. Yeah. I mean, he kind of checked out of the the analysis pretty early on. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yeah. He got a little disoriented. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it is a great scene. Just kind of this clash here. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, 
kind of feel for Carmela in this sense, even though her argument is ridiculous. But... You know, it's not really about what she's saying. It's about what's motivating her to say what she's saying, Absolutely. which is this intense pain over losing Furio. Yeah. And then we have old man Carmine standing in his destroyed restaurant. Yes. And they truly did a number. Like, not just the painting, but shit right. is destroyed. Yeah. It's really fucked. Yeah. No, they really tore it apart. Mm-hmm. This is a great scene. Right. With a lot of great lines. It. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I wrote. Great scene, great lines. Yeah. Yeah. Polly marches into the Bing office. Syl is there. Polly's miffed that he didn't know little Polly and co were sent to trash the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, Syl just kind of lays it out. And yeah. he's basically like, look, you're not kind of really bringing in the money that you used to. Also, just in general, we're sort of uh, questioning your loyalty a little bit. Yeah. He says, you're only as good as your last envelope. Yeah. This is the job. And you haven't been. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're going to be on the bottom of the totem pole and maybe left out of a few things. Right. And lets him know, you know, people like Albert are really bringing in the the cash. Mm-hmm. And I love that Polly, as the character, recognizes the caricature that is Albert mm-hmm. and says, Fuck that fucking parakeet. I got a relationship with Tony. Albert will never have. No matter how far he sticks his tongue up Tony's ass. It's so great. Calling him a parakeet. <laughs> Fucking good. I love that insult. But, uh, yeah. But then Polly throws it back at Syl, and now mm-hmm. the two gentlemen who are very close friends mm-hmm. are somewhat at odds right now that we've never seen before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this was really in contention for my favorite line. I mean, just favorite lines, I should say, their whole exchange here mm-hmm. when Polly calls Syl a wormy cocksucker and then... You know, still hits him with the, oh, and, you know, gets to his feet, and then Polly jumps up, and you're like, whoa, is it going to degenerate into fisticuffs? Yeah. You know, not quite. You're a wormy cocksucker, you know that? No! I'm just telling you how you're being fucking perceived. Just worry about how you're fucking perceived. Nobody knows what the future holds, my friend. You know, Polly kind of thinks that he's sort of on the high ground here, and that, you know, he, he's got the advantage because he's like, hey, New York might be kind of wiping Tony out. Yeah, because he's people. a double agent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I also think that what motivates a lot of his irritation in this scene is that Polly thought he was getting away with it. Mm. He's clearly not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it all stems back to Sill's irresponsibility of not being the one to pick up the money from the Russian. That's right. Yeah. I'm glad that you remembered that. That was a great callback to Pine Barrens. Yeah. And uh, we also get a little uh, history lesson here as well, where Polly says, you know, I go all the way back to Johnny boy, Mm -hmm. which I didn't, I kind of just like overlooked, but could be one character that maybe we see in the new movie. Yeah, and the many saints of Newark, maybe we get a young Polly. Maybe. That yeah. would be cool. I think that like would be a cameo really cool. of a young Polly Walnuts. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I assume that we'd get like a young Uncle Junior. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that was, you know, going to happen for sure. But a young Polly, that would be great. Right. Let's hope. So Johnny and Carmine have their sit down for what their retaliation plan is going to be. And their plan is call the union, right. which at first glance wouldn't seem like a big deal. Because Tony vandalized a restaurant. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do when you're calling the union? Well, we will. We'll see what happens. To we shall that. see. But from there, we just get a distraught, heartbroken, lovesick Carmela spilling out her feelings to Roe at Vesuvio. Right. And Roe makes that good point of, you know, she wonders if Tony said anything to Furio. Yeah, and that is such an appalling notion that Carmela, you know, rushes off to the bathroom to Mm -hmm. throw up or, you know, whatever. Sob. Uh, Yeah, or just cry. Like, she's just, she's so upset because she realizes that, you know, maybe it is a possibility, especially since Furio left so abruptly. Yeah. And then we go from that luncheon to an old lady's luncheon with Polly. That's right, yeah. So good. Yeah. This is so funny. We learned that men... Actually, I had a husband who invented precision cutlery. Yeah. A form of precision cutlery. Big deal. But Jesus, these old ladies with the the scavenging of the bread <laughs> and all the sugars. And yeah. 
the wares. It's uh, it's crazy. It's a great yeah. over, <laughs> over the table shot of all their hands just reaching in. Right, all the little lines in here and little gestures that just the most obnoxious old ladies of all time. And except for Nucci, who's just sort of um, silly and and clueless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, men. She's just so ridiculous, and you know the back and forth. I definitely felt like it was great. You know, David Chase type, Terrence Winter type humor. Oh yeah, they're so funny together. I really hope it stays that way for them. <laughs> uh, but Cookie makes a comment, right? Yes. This is important to note. She makes a comment about men's. Uh, finances and Min just says you know she likes keeping cash on hand and Cookie says well do you still hide it underneath your bed right and Min says never you mind but Polly Polly takes note Polly takes note mm-hmm. so from there the uh, boys are at the construction yard for a no-show job and we get the result of calling the union union guy comes down says uh yeah you got guys here shouldn't be working and uh, we're shutting this whole thing down yeah with their giant inflatable rat yeah <laughs> so the esplanade is just shut down that's yeah it. exactly no so, one's gonna be getting money that's a big problem mm-hmm. major escalation and then we get a nice little continuation of the junior trial storyline because we saw earlier scene one the prosecution about to rest, making its closing arguments. Well, Bobby did hone in on that juror, mm-hmm. and we've got Gene Pontecorvo yep. dropping in to pay him a visit. And this is very strategic, the way that he does this, right? Because right. the guy is there. His name's Danny, Danny the juror. He's there with his son. Mm-hmm. They're just there casually at the convenience store. You know, he's going to, like, buy his son some candy or whatever, and then, you know, Gene pops in and makes it, like, really clear. Listen, Danny, we just want you to know how glad we are a guy like you was on that jury. That mob thing. That Junior Soprano trial. I got that. Hope you can put it. Hey, hey. What are you doing? It's a privilege. Hard-working guy. Wife and two kids. Performing a civic duty we should all take part in. We know you do the right thing. It is amazing to use a character like Gene Pontecorvo, yeah. who on the outside does not look like the most intimidating foe right. out there, but it, it works in some way. This is a very threatening uh, play, mm-hmm. very threatening scene, even though you know he's nice in a you know fake way. Yeah. It's all very calculated. It's very good. Right. But with his kind of like, you know, East Coast ethnic Italian style too, you know, Danny kind of gets the message that this guy, Gene, is probably associated with Junior, you know, in a way. Maybe he's he's connected to the mob. And it's just really great writing here because... Just because, like, Gene, you know, he per- he uses his words perfectly. Mm-hmm. There's no kind of overt threat. But the implications are very clear, especially since he seems to have done a little bit of research on Danny, yeah. which is a little weird. <laughs> and he's <laughs> right. about his whole family. Right. And plus his son is there and everything. And Yeah. So in this scene with Carmela in the bathroom at home sobbing, I just thought, you know, let the phone call go to voicemail. <laughs> you have a moment. Take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't need to answer the phone. Yeah. But she does pick it up. And on the other line is Meadow, who, you know, she wonders if she did anything wrong. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, you kind of piss off people all the time. Yeah, exactly. So you probably did something. But, you know, at this moment right now, you're turning it around and you're trying to do something nice. Mm -hmm. And she wants to do that old tradition of having tea and crumpets or whatever they do <laughs> underneath the painting, uh, the Eloise. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. At the plaza. At the plaza. Which was a tradition that uh, played heavily into the very first episode of the series. That's right. Although we never actually wound up going with the characters to the plaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we will. And yeah, we get the title of the episode, Eloise. That's right. And it already still, though, hanging... On the balance is this tension that's mm-hmm. still there. It's still there because, of course, Meadow makes a comment about taking the George Washington Bridge. Right. And Carmela says, I know how to drive and where I'm going. Shut up. 
Right. Uh, so there still is this like air of tension. Oh yeah. That is not going to be cured by any white glove Eloise style mm-hmm. luncheon mm-hmm. for the two. Yeah. And then we get Tony, Syl, and Vito, and they meet to decide what to do in response to um, the Esplanade getting shut down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tony kind of draws the line in the sand here, and he says, look, okay, we're not going to get into the, you know, kind of escalating craziness. Like, let's just sit, because the important thing is that our wallets are being hit. But if our wallets are being hit by the Esplanade getting shut down, well, the same is true for Carmine. Yeah. So it's a bit of a stalemate right now. I also, too, like just the mention of the other four bosses. Right. Like, let's not forget there are four other families out there. Of course. Just yeah. It's kind of, you know, you think it's just this whole time New York, New Jersey, but it, mm-hmm. it's not. Right. Yeah. There are yeah. other boroughs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it reminds me of, uh, of course, Godfather, right? They were like the yep. five families. Mm-hmm. Um Four of them get wiped out at the end by Michael. Whoa! Spoiler alert. Whoa. Yeah, nineteen seventy-two. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> and so T and scones under Eloise commences, and Carmela, of all people, brings up Billy Bud mm-hmm. again. And I just think, in this moment, I was just like, ah. Yeah. Stop yelling, because both of them, Carmela and and Meadow, are just throwing the knives at each other. This thing gets vicious. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, they need to like. Oh yeah, I, I what I wrote here is that Carmela really needs to just stop taking it out on Meadow. This mm-hmm. is her fucking daughter. Like just because you're heartbroken and your daughter's not, like get over it. Well, that's so interesting, and that's what I think is real classic Sopranos that they kind of pick this kind of like sort of taboo subject. You know what I mean? This like sort of taboo idea that no other show would ever do Uh where it's like this suburban mom's kind of jealousy of her daughter's romantic success, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. And in case you didn't quite get it, Meadow, right, just flat out says, Why are you not happy for me? What are you jealous? Just because you and dad are middle-aged? Watch it, young lady. Which is an insane thing to say. <laughs> yes. You know, Meadow's so, so bitchy here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, Carmela can kind of give as good as she gets um, mm-hmm. in this scene. It's just, like I said, a very vicious scene. But that's the crux of it. You know, Meadow really got to the heart of the matter, which is that Carmela is jealous of her daughter. Yep. And, you know, it was all fine when... Meadow told Carmela about Finn that first time because, you know, Carmela was like, well, I'm also in love in my way, you know? And so we're both just two happy women. But, you know, now, like, the fact that Meadow's happy just calls such attention to the fact that Carmela is not. And now, you know, the way that Carmela sees it, she seems so hopeless. Like, she's never going to be. She's stuck with Tony. Right. Yeah, Terrence Winter is just very good at this writing style. Uh, these biting lines. Yeah. And uh, again, Meadows thrown out this mother in this scene. And I just thought we were thrown into a Tennessee Williams play or something. Oh yeah. But she was just, she kept just using this. And maybe in this instance, she was using it uh, as a barb, but I right. don't know. I just, maybe it, it's it just... irritated me so much. <laughs> Maybe it's just the setting as well, you know, mm, Eloise's true. portrait and, you know, your gloves and tea. Mother. Yes, that's you know, true. So, hey. yeah, yeah. So, Carmela has been crushed. This is thoroughly established. She is destroyed. The rug has been pulled out from under her and she is completely disillusioned. Mm-hmm. Well, the exact same thing <laughs> is about to happen to one Polly Walnuts. <laughs> he right. is. For whatever reason, at this wedding reception, yep. you know, pretty much the only Jersey guy there. But who is also there? None other than the boss of New York, Carmine. Yeah, I call this a payoff scene. Oh, this is such a payoff. Yeah. Uh, I love this scene. And Polly, in short order, gets destroyed when he learns once and for all that Johnny Sack was straight up using him yep. because Carmine has absolutely no idea who the fuck <laughs> yeah. Polly is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tony Sirico here is just so good. Yeah. The stare in the mirror, right? his face, 
priceless. His life has been turned completely upside down. Absolutely. And he's been so betrayed because he was doing all of this double agent work in the hopes of, hey, if the situation changes, then I'm in an advantageous position. If if New York gets the upper hand and kind of crushes New Jersey, well, then I kind of just sign up with New York and I'm good there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if that doesn't come to pass, well, I guess I still got the situation that I have. Either way, I'm fine. And he finds out that he was just being used, you know, just, yeah, the way that he like staggers and mm-hmm. into that bathroom and looks at, self, looks at himself in a daze. Uh, plus he's thinking about that conversation with Syl. Yeah. And he's like, uh-oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's great. But I just like how, you know, it's really the, the Polly and Carmella situations in this episode do mirror each other. Mm-hmm. I thought of that as I watched Polly look at himself in the mirror uh-huh. because they both are just really sort of like happy because they think that this thing is going to pay off for them. This thing is going to happen for them. Mm-hmm. And then they just sort of lose it completely. Yeah. You know? It kind of is like if you are like in love with someone and like you are about to declare that you're in love to them. Something that you've never said before, maybe just hinted at. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I got to tell you something. And then that person's like, I got to tell you something. I'm engaged. <laughs> right. You know, it's like that sort of thing. That sort of feeling is yeah. the feeling that I think Polly and Carmela are both going through. Just utterly crushed, leveled. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, it continues for Carmela. She gets that postcard from Italy, which she thinks is a postcard from Italy. <laughs> And it's not, yeah. And you know, you got it. You you commend Edie Falco for her, you know, her job in this episode. She's mm-hmm. brilliant. But do not overlook James Gandolfini, yeah, because he is doing a great job too. Because they obviously have shifted roles. Mm-hmm. Like it's a role reversal. She's the one who is enraged and irritated constantly, and he's the one who's just chill and just being a good father and husband yeah you know and she's she's the one who has to maybe take a step back and realize how she's being a little bit destructive right in in her behavior but you know in the end when he mentions furio and then Mm -hmm. he does get irritated and we see the old tony right and we see carmella crushed but we see the fact that this is something she will not be able to let go of yeah, this this is truly now their marriage is on the ropes for this reason. Yeah, exactly. Because it was fine. I mean, if she was married to Tony and didn't really love him, well, at least she had someone that she truly was in love with. Right. You know, uh, she has lost that now. And mm-hmm. so, yes, uh, she is in a very grim predicament. Mm-hmm. And then we get meadow at the house talking to her brother i kind of like when we get these one-on-one scenes between meadow and aj because we don't get a lot of them and it's fun for good reason (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's fun because i feel like because we don't get a lot of them every time we do get one Mm -hmm. both actors are significantly older than they were the previous time oh that's you know so that's kind of cool to see just how their relationship evolves um yeah so Basically, Meadow, after that super just like ugly fight that she had with her mom under Eloise's portrait, Meadow is yet again pulling back and sort of being like, okay, let me show a little bit. Let me show a little bit of empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, let me try and figure out if my mom is suffering because of something. Something's going on, you know, uh, causing her to act the way that she's been acting towards me recently. And then AJ, love this scene because AJ really kind of gives Meadow a lot of information about mm-hmm. how Carmela's been crying lately. It really started after Furio took off. Mm-hmm. They were going to Furio's house a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, we talked about last episode, Marge Hed- Hedgenberger. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Meadow is a bit of uh, a, a bit of a kind of detective here, you know, because, yeah. AJ's obviously clueless, right? He's a kid. He's not that like sensitive to kind of how these things work. Yeah. But his sister, she's an adult. She's a woman. She's a little bit more intuitive. She's too smart for her not to know. She's putting it together. She's right. put it together, really. And obviously, a hilarious ending. Yes. The fart. Good fart joke. Ah. Sopranos. Yeah. Not above a good fart joke. No, not at all. 
That was actually my favorite line for this episode, the fart. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Go <laughs> Just the fart. Yeah. And of course, in his desperation yeah. to make up for his stupidity this whole time, we find Polly in uh, not his bedroom. Nope. Clearly. Clearly, it's an old woman's bedroom. And he's looking under the bed. And of course, he thinks he's alone. But it's Min's home. And she's home. And I love how Polly tries to play it off because you know it's not going to work. You're in this woman's bedroom in the dark. And you're obviously looking for the money that you know she has under her mattress. And in an instance, they're face to face. He's grabbing her life alert and she's kneeing him in the nuts. And I just thought, Polly, you have to do a better job protecting your balls. Yes. The Russian nailed you in the nuts yeah. and got away. Now Min's nailed you in the nuts. Put but, a cup. Put a cup on. For God's sake, Paul. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But man, oh my God! Like when HBO shows, you know, they start up and they say, "Oh, this episode has nudity and graphic violence, whatever." Mm-hmm. And when this one said graphic violence, well, I didn't think it would come in the form of killing Min. Yeah. Like I forgot that this happened. Oh, you forgot? Oh, I did forget, oh, of course. Wow. But yeah, I mean, the killing of Minnie is. Yeah. Uh, is crazy right it's uh i mean it was long time coming for Polly. <laughs> yes but the sounds that she's making underneath the pillow reminded me of who framed roger rabbit oh really why it reminded me of uh judge doom when he's being melted at the end with his high-pitched voice yeah that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> oh my god my focus during this uh murdering the old lady scene yeah which is just such a crazy thing just so classic sopranos like just oh yeah wow this is really happening you're really going there right but what i just said that's the look on Polly's face where he's just like i have to do this am i really doing this yeah i gotta do it though yeah i have no choice he's sort of like is very much aggressive in putting the pillow over her face, suffocating her to death. But you can also see maybe not a note of remorse, but just a sort of, I wish it didn't have to come to this. Hmm. But there's truly no other way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I mean, I suppose. Yeah. I feel like he's getting out a lot of anger on her. It's such a brazen sort of robbery attempt, too. I mean, why couldn't he just sort of stake out her place and wait until she was gone? Yeah, in the middle of the night? Yeah, but I mean, I guess that just speaks to his level of desperation. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been playing both sides. What if that gets out? It sort of already has gotten out in a way. Yeah. Plus, he's not bringing in the money like he used to, so he really needs to get back on good terms. Right, not until now. Right. In the next scene, he drops off this huge envelope to Tony yeah. and he's playing nice. He's intentionally like walking up to Tony to kiss him on the cheek. And mm-hmm. Tony's like not expecting it. And, uh, and then also notes as well that, Oh, Johnny Sachs on the line. And Polly's like, well, what is that cocksucker name? Yeah. And listens outside the door. So I think is an interesting note here too, because Polly wants to know for sure are they talking about me? Right, yeah. Could it be possible? Yeah. Or am I all right? Right. For now, he's okay. It's just so great how unceremonious, you know, I, I kind of talked about how, like, at the beginning of the podcast, um, this episode of the podcast, I kind of talked about the fact that this is not a traditional penultimate episode. Right. In that we don't get those big kind of, like, drop the hammer, crazy plot points that change the show forever. Wait, you don't think the death of men is going to change the show forever? (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's debatable. Okay. It remains to be seen. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, We got about two seasons left. (laughs) Yeah. Men, the Russian, you know, like, (laughs) what's going to happen? Exactly. Uh, But what we do get in this unceremonious kind of quiet way is... The closing of two very big arcs, right? Mm. That basically have run the entire season. You know, Polly playing New York against New Jersey, which mm-hmm. was established in the finale of season three. And then here we are all these episodes later, and that's brought to a close. And then Carmela and her love for Furio established in the first episode of this season. And mm-hmm. now that's been brought to a close here. Yeah, good point. And for, you know, this next scene, I think it was necessary to have 
a Tony and Meadow moment here because she has been at odds with Carmela this whole time. Well, maybe the two of them can talk it out about where she's coming from. And I love the point, the point of fact that I didn't realize this, but that Meadow had no clue that Tony was in therapy. Right. This whole time. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. That's such a funny, like surprising thing for Tony and for me as I was watching it. I guess I never thought about it either. And I really liked Meadow's reaction. I mean, she has such a big reaction. I mean, this is the last thing that she would ever expect of her father to, you know, reveal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, we do get this interesting conversation, you know, Tony sitting Meadow down on the stairs. You know, I liked it it very, uh, there's a a lot of like kind of empathy, I guess, for Carmela, you know, sort of a surprising amount of empathy from Tony, Mm -hmm. you know, when he's, telling meadow that you know carmela is going through some things emotional this is clear tony maybe is even at fault a little bit for it and again we get that a couple like kind of interesting looks from meadow because she has kind of pieced it together i don't think that she fully is able to go to oh mom was in love with furio or maybe was even having an affair with furio but she just knows that there was more to the carmella and furio picture than meets the eye sure and she sees here too that tony is clearly oblivious to all of that yeah and i think in great terrence winter fashion this next scene the what is not said is more important than what is said Mm -hmm. as johnny meets with tony in his car, they meet up, you know, discreetly, um, an unannounced meeting to anybody else. And he did this, Terrence Winter did this in this season mm-hmm. on episode four, The Wait, mm-hmm. uh, when Carmine <laughs> called Tony to suggest, without suggesting, mm-hmm. that Johnny Sack should be whacked. Absolutely. And now Johnny is doing the exact same thing right. for Carmine. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of a shock, you know, mm-hmm. right? And this is a big thing, you know, and this is, again, in a subtle way, this does sort of set up something that could get paid off in a major way in what we know to be the final episode of the season, which is coming up next, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, all right, well, that's a yeah. sort of crazy shift. Um, but, you know, it just reminded me of the fact that Johnny, the way that he carries himself, you know, meeting with Tony in the way that he does... It's not really that surprising because we got those looks from him at the beginning of the episode at the golf course where he sort of seemed to be kind of wanting to, you know, sort of make peace Mm -hmm. with New Jersey, but also just the way Johnny carries himself. He carries himself more as the boss, as if he already has the job. Right. Yes. And uh, it's just the dialogue is really good Mm -hmm. when he says, To call myself bad something were to happen to him, God forbid. All of this unpleasantness would just... John Carmine's fine. Yes. He's very healthy. Thank God. Call me. Holy shit. Because it's one thing to kill your underboss. It's mm-hmm. another thing to kill your boss. That is... As Furio had, you know, dilemma over. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really, really big deal. Yeah. But we move into yeah. that, the final scene. Right. Where Carmela's in bed, Tony comes home, and I always thought we... I was thinking about the podcast, and we never really end with a really good line or like a, a good note that that we highlight is mm-hmm. what I mean. I mean, the endings we know of every episode are usually very good, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole moment from Tony of describing Meadow, of how she's the independent woman that Carmela always wanted her to be, that whole section there, mm-hmm. I'm going to highlight. Yeah. It's just very good. Yeah. She's becoming a wonderful woman, Carm. Smart, beautiful, independent woman that you created. Is that what you dreamed about? Yes. 
it's really nice writing and it is true i mean these characters do have a lot to be proud of Mm -hmm. in their daughter and yeah the episode kind of made it clear that meadow does fire on all cylinders she excels academically you know she's got this great place she's got this great guy she cooks you know Mm -hmm. she just she's the complete package and ironically Carmela can't appreciate it in fact just sort of resents her so much you know because Furio was the love of Carmela's life and now he's gone and she is wrecked yeah yeah where's uh where's Carmela's independence right. we wonder but thus concludes uh this episode of the soprano show i'm gavin bowen and i'm hannibal diaz join us next week and until then if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support it you know what to do subscribe on itunes apple Podcasts, stitcher google play tune in leave a review a five star rating a comment like us on twitter like us on facebook and like we do with every episode we end with our favorite lines from the episode and my favorite line came from that great dinner scene and to which we start getting into the Billy Bud discussion. And it begins with AJ when he says, Yeah, I didn't even know they had fags back then. AJ. No offense. I'm not gay. You're not? No. <laughs> it's just Tony like still trying to figure out yeah. what is the deal with this guy. He must be gay. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. And uh, yeah, just kind of goes to show that there is a generational clash there at yes. this dinner table. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, so that was actually my runner up for this episode. Uh, my favorite exchange, just because it was so funny, was the scene where Polly just gets unceremoniously destroyed uh-huh. by uh, Carmine. Yeah. And the fact is like just the way that this happens you know so abruptly and it starts really with carmine saying what's your name again paulie gaultieri jersey your father was run over by a trolley right johnny talked to you about me right johnny who sack talk to me about what <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right, he's almost confused about which Johnny he's talking about. It just couldn't be more humiliating for Polly. Yeah. Oh, that's great.